Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6am Run Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Always a pleasure to have you listening to the show, have you a part of the show. As always, this show is brought to you by 6am Run and 6amrun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. Holidays are coming up. 6am Run makes a great gift for the runners in your life, and I know Most of us know somebody who runs if we're not runners already. So we have a great guest for you today. And, you know, I love I love doing this show and I love podcasting. I love recording. A lot of people don't understand about it is that we usually have to find our own spots, fill our own spaces, all that good stuff and record, edit, upload all that good stuff while doing other things. And sometimes things fall through the cracks. Sometimes things don't. Um. I, I, I'm very appreciative to Dr. Nikki for making time for us today. We have a lot to talk about, but that is Dr. Nikki Ciso, N-I-K-K-I-S-I-S-O. If you're looking for her online, Dr. Nikki, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience? Uh, thank you so much, Mark, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and... Yeah, I've had a very interesting journey. I, I just developed type 1 diabetes at 29 years old. And as a free spirit, I, I very much fought against it. It felt like I wasn't allowed the sweetness in life suddenly. And what I realized with diabetes is it's much more a mental game than it is a physical one. And not many people are talking about this. Because you cannot get diabetes right perfect every day. It's it's virtually impossible to stay in perfect blood sugar ranges at all times because everything impacts your sugars. And even if I ate the exact same thing every single day, whether or not I slept well, my stress level, my hormones, uh, how much fat I had the night before, how much exercise, the intensity I, I endured that day, all of it plays a factor. So I'm basically aiming for a moving target with a very sensitive device. If if I may, that's probably the wrong word, but uh, insulin is incredibly sensitive. One unit too many and I'm crashing down into dangerous lows. Two units too many and I'm I'm still in very highs. And a cucumber can make my sugars go up. So you're very sensitive movements, right? And and large swing potentials that have um, devastation on your health. And you're kind of left to yourself to figure it out. There's not much support and it's a journey. And what what happens is that uh, the days when you think you're doing everything right, you're eating well, I'm exercising really hard and and my sugars are still high. And it's like the the tendency then is to go into uh, self-bashing and or uh, kind of an effort mode of like, well, if I can't do it right, give me the cookie. Right, and then you're in the spiral downward, 
that's super dangerous. Um, so yeah, it's been a journey, <laughs> but what I've come to realize is that, uh, it's actually a master teacher, master teacher, because how I handle diabetes is how I handle the rest of my life. Because every day, everyone is going to quote unquote fail or not succeed and not show up their ideal best version, right? You're going to yell at your kids. You're going to miss a meeting. You're going to mess up your nails right after you just did them. You're, you're gonna, there's always going to be things that you somehow didn't show up your best, somehow messed up every single day. And how you respond to that is, is whether or not you are going to have a happy, easy, fruitful life or a really challenging one. So I now use diabetes as my teacher it's my emotional intelligence training system, <laughs> right? And I guide my clients to see it that way, to see it that this is actually a tool come to support you. In it's like stepping you into your warrior so that you can handle anything life throws at you with way more grace and ease and, and self-love. I, I truly love all of that. And... For those of you who've listened to the show a lot, you know, we had on Thomas Lennon at the beginning of the season um, of type one lifting. Um, and other than that, I, I haven't spoken to many people about diabetes and, and, and that, I kind of feel like shame on me because that's, it's one of those things where a lot of people hear it and we just, we don't write it off, but we just feel like, okay, they're living with it. Oh, you have diabetes. Okay. So yeah, we don't, we don't think much past it, but the fact of the matter is that you have to look at food differently and not, not that I we will get into it. Not that, you know, you know, you, you have to, but if for someone trying to live with this and be on that journey that you're on, that mind-body connection, understanding yourself, under being self-aware enough to know that how you feel internally is going to be what you project to other people. Um, you know, once you once you turn 29 and this happened, what was that process like? Because immediately, like that shift has to go off. Like, oh. I have to start rethinking a lot of the things that, that I thought about. How, what, what was that shift like for you at that moment in your life? Yeah. So the first step is you have to learn how much insulin you need for every single thing you're going to put in your mouth. Every bite of food, every drink you have, you have to make, you have to know exactly how much to dose. And there are ways to count carbs, but I'm not, I'm not that detail oriented. So I'm going to see, a pile of potatoes and I'm going to guess that I'm going to need around three units, right? And then it's a learning curve. As you go, you're going to learn. And again, it's a moving target, right? Because one day the potatoes might impact me the next day. It might, I might not need so much insulin. So the first step is to, to definitely check you, learn how to feed yourself properly and to cut out the things that are high fat and high sugar those it's the two combined that are very dangerous. And, and I can explain that more if, if you desire. And then the second step is then learning how to adopt new coping mechanisms. So when life does trigger me, I'm not turning to ice cream 
to satiate, to numb out. I'm not turning to alcohol or marijuana that leads to the munchies, right? That it's going to lead to blood sugar spiking. So first step is getting the nutrition online and, and really learning how to nourish your body well. And you have to read every ingredient. That's, that's key to success. And, and that, that, of course, makes going out to restaurants quite challenging. But there are things that you can order from a restaurant that have less potential to spike your blood sugars. Um, and, that, and that's the other, the other key there is uh, insulin takes an hour to three hours to hit, depending on your metabolism and time of day. So in the morning, it's very quick. So very quickly in the morning, I take my insulin, let's say it's seven by eight, I, I need to have eaten food. Um, in the evening, it can take up to two and a half, three, sometimes three and a half hours to hit, which means think about it. You have to know, I'd have to know where I'm going to eat my dinner, what I'm going to choose, how much of it I'm going to eat, and whether or not whoever I'm with is going to want to go get ice cream after. Otherwise, I'm standing in an ice cream shop having not prepared for ice cream, and it's a giant pity party, <laughs> which I don't eat ice cream. Generally, that's off my my options anyway, but imagine, right? You can replace ice cream with anything, pie or you know cookies or something that you love that you haven't prepared for with insulin, and now you, you've got to... You've got to really test your willpower in the evening when your willpower is probably the lowest. So it's it's a it's a challenge. It's an interesting ride. Well, let, let me ask you this because I've never the the way you put it, I've never really thought about it this way. But like, just in the simple case of like you wanting to hang out with friends or go out to eat with friends or go out a night on the town with friends, not saying you do any of those things, but just in case like a friend's like, Hey, I want to go out and celebrate my birthday next Friday. We're going to, we're going to start at eight. We're going to go to whenever, like that's something you have to now like prepare for yeah. like that night. You have to think about what steps are going to be involved, where I need to be with my insulin. Like that's, that's different from a lot of us just being like, Hey, all right, I'll meet you. I'll get the Uber at eight o'clock. I'll be ready to go and, and let's go. So that's yeah. a different mindset for you. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. And when you're really hungry and your sugars are super high and you're supposed to wait to eat, <laughs> I mean, friend, social, the social aspect is probably the most challenging because you don't know what you're going to get at a house party. So you have to come prepared. I usually travel with a cooler. I bring my food with me a lot of the time because I want to snack on crudite. I'll bring my veggies. I don't want to snack on chips and some fatty dip, right? I'll, I'll make my own little dip or I'll, I'll buy bitchin' sauce, which is my favorite, a uh, little quick grab cheat. And I'll cut up veggies. And so at least I'm snacking. I'm, I'm with everyone else. I'm doing the social thing, but I'm snacking on something healthy that's not going to spike my sugars. So, and you had mentioned it earlier where you had mentioned the, the high fat foods in addition to the high sugar foods. And a lot of people automatically understand the sugar like oh diabetes like we understand the high sugar we like we we get that drilled into us all the time but explain why the high fat food sources are are so you know detrimental or something that you have to worry about just as much as the sugar intake yeah so there are two theories that i've heard about so far one is that the fat will actually coat the cells and block the insulin receptors where the sugar would naturally come in through those insulin receptors. And so the sugar gets blocked out of the cell. It's one theory. 
The other theory is that fat is nine times more fuel efficient than sugar. So one molecule of fat is going to produce nine times more fuel than one molecule of sugar. That being said, the cells naturally will pull in the fat as a more efficient energy source. And once the cells are full of fuel, it's like your gas tank is full, you close the doors. You don't allow any more fuel in. So then the sugar gets stuck in your bloodstream and it requires extra insulin to kind of force the sugar in there. Right. So that's why a lot of type two diabetics, their pancreas is just worn out. They're on a high fat processed foods plus high fructose corn syrup diets And that combination is just disastrous and it just burns out the pancreas. And and that's another reason. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people starting their fitness journey and and a lot, let's be honest, a lot of people will, will understand that they're not on the right path and they need to get healthy and they need to start moving and eat correctly. But a lot of people will fail to, you know, make changes in that nutritional side of it. They see, okay. I need to get moving, I need to get to the gym, I need to go for a run. But then at home, they're still doing the same things where they'll still have that, you know, high calorie, high fat snack. They'll still munch on empty calories. And, you know, the first part of it is they they won't see the gains that they they thought they would see. But the second part of it is that they will still be going down a path that is going to lead them to being pre-diabetic or diabetic, high, you know, um, uh, hypertension, things like that, things that they thought would get fixed if they just went for a run three times a week or went to the gym for an hour a day, four times a week. But in the position you're in, can you just explain how, why is it so important to understand that nutrition side of that fitness journey not just the fitness side of it, not just the the gym and the weight side of it. We also have to be very conscious of the nutrition side of it. Yeah, two things there. One, we don't just eat for fat, carbs, fiber, and protein. Those are not the only sources of, uh, those are macronutrients that our body needs, but it's the micronutrients, the tens of thousands of phytochemicals that come in fruits and vegetables that our body actually uses to keep us looking healthy and radiant and cleaning out our cells. And all that vitality comes from those phytonutrients. So really important to get the nutrition right. And from just a weight loss perspective, I could work out all day long. And if I'm coming home and eating like a truck driver, excuse me, truck drivers, but you know what I mean? If I'm, you know, just eating whatever I wanted, right. And it's uh, unhealthy processed foods. I will not lose weight. Very minimal. Whereas I could go on a 10 day juice cleanse, blast my body with nutrition because I'm juicing two pounds of green vegetables every couple hours and not work out a single, in fact, on a juice cleanse, you're not supposed to work out hard. You're maybe walks or mild walk or something, but I'm basically not working out, but I'm not eating as well. And I can, I've lost 18 pounds in a 10 day, in 10 days. So, and I wasn't hungry. 
that's the fascinating part because I was giving my body the nutrition it needed, but removing all the fiber so it didn't have to do any digesting. All it did was absorb those nutrients and then it used all that fuel that it would go towards digesting my food goes to replenishing my cells, rejuvenating, cleaning out the toxicity, getting all of the toxicity out of my body. And then I burn through all the excess fats and um, I'll lose weight that way while feeling nourished and not depleted and actually energized. So nutrition is key to your energy and your brain health, right? Very good point at the end to your brain health. And, and um, I think one of the things people fail to understand, and, and, I, I, and I can say this because a lot of the stuff, if I say things in generalities, usually it's because I've been through it myself. And it's because like we we have this notion that um, if if we eat something and then we're hungry two hours later, then we need to eat some more other than thinking of like, what are we putting in our bodies? Are we putting in something that is going to last us a longer time? You know, something that's, you know, high in protein, something that's going to really, you know, make us full and, and I say it all the time, you know, sugar is one of those things that you have a little bit of it and it goes through the body. So the brain gets it and it wants some more of it so quickly, like so quickly. It's just one of those things that it's, it mimics a, drugs. It, it, it basically does. Um, yeah. But yeah, it showed more addictive than crack. It, and that's not hyperbole. Like I, I tell people that all the time. They look at me. They look at me sideways, and it's like, no, 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 no. Like you don't understand like what the brain does with sugar. The brain gets it, and it's just, oh, it loves it. Um, and especially the the high fructose corn mm. syrup, the the much more intensely sweet sugars create an even bigger burst of dopamine. It's like it's like it's literally crack on fuel. Yes, yes, <laughs> for the brain. So. You mentioned um, in in some of the work that you do, or, or just in general, that you've spent the last twenty five years or two point five decades, really reprogramming your subconscious and rewiring your nervous system, that you can be at peace and safe within your body. One, I don't care who says that, but that is beautifully written. I I love I love. I love, love, love that. Um, but I kind of want you to go in depth because we're talking about um, a disease that affects millions of people, a disease that we haven't yet figured out how to cure it 100%. It's not like something we can take a pill for, go on a six-month journey, and it's done. Um, we still have to find ways to help people cope with it. But And you know this. like You know this. But you've taken the next step and you've worked to kind of reprogram your subconscious, kind of walk through that journey. What does that mean? What does that look like from somebody outside looking in? Remind me if I forget, I'm going to give you a little quick backstory and then I'll get to this point because it's important. Okay. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Every one of those, if you look back in our lineage, we have a grandmother, grandfather, great grandparent. Somewhere in our lineage, there was a war, there was a famine, there was a depression. In my case, there was a Holocaust, right? My mother is the eighth child out of a Holocaust survivor. That level of fear and anxiety passes through the womb 
like when the child is in the womb, they can feel that just from the mother releasing cortisol and stress hormones throughout her body. The baby absorbs it. They, the baby knows that they're coming out into an unsafe world. So it's imprinted in our DNA, this trauma. And then they experience it through the behavior of our parents and well-intentioned parents. This is not no uh, knockdown on any parental skills. It's natural human behavior to project our pains. Uh, if we're not rude, if we haven't done a lot of work to make sure we've identified it and, and learned new coping mechanisms. So that's what my journey has been is, is uncovering what the, the, the pain that was put into my body unknowingly again. Uh, and, and then what were the triggers? That's one of the ways to find it. It's like, what are the things that are upsetting me? What are the things that are creating rage in my body? What, what is, um, Right, so the, the emotions, when you get these really strong emotions, it's usually tied to some kind of core wounding. And a lot of human, some of the common core wounds are shame, blame, and abandonment. There are many more, but those are kind of the core three that get passed down very commonly. And so the subconscious then imprints these beliefs that I am not good enough. I am not worthy. I'm not lovable. It's all because during infancy from zero to seven, I learned this at the Hoffman Institute from zero to seven, you need all of your needs met by someone else. And if you're cold, you need someone else to get you a blankie because you can't even pick up your head. <laughs> you're this toddler. And yet you can't even express those needs. And on top of that, the brain is designed to take everything personally. So if you don't get those needs met, your brain will think, oh, I must not be good enough to get my needs met. And then it starts seeking evidence of how that could be true. Right? We go through life seeking how it could be true that I'm not good enough to get my needs met or I'm not lovable enough to get my needs met or I'm, I'm clearly not worthy because I'm not getting my needs met. And so these subconscious plants create a filter. They, they create this filter in which you look through life and you kind of seek this evidence of how it's true that I'm not somehow good enough and if you seek these things you will find it right it's like a a, a girlfriend that thinks her, her boyfriend's cheating <laughs> and she seeks evidence <laughs> it's possible she'll find it granted she probably has an intuitive hit for a reason and but <laughs> side note right we are we set ourselves up and it's, it's i almost say it's like a flawed design in a way because then we've got to do all of this reprogramming. But in that reprogramming is where we actually find our power. We get to step into our warrior selves and become the strongest version of ourselves. Because now we've become hyper aware and not hyper vigilant. That's different. Hyper aware is being really conscious and aware of how we are responding to the world and, and how things are impacting us. And we get choice in that. When you're aware, you have choice. Because if you're just responding, you, there's no choice there. You're, you're, you're in an automatic pilot mode and you're creating more of the same in your life. And so some of the tools that I've learned to reprogram, I've, I've done every possible healing modality I can get my hands on. I've been to retreats around the world. I've sat with shamans around the world. Plant medicine was a big part of my journey, but breath work is my absolute favorite. There's no toxicity. There's no... You don't need to take any substances. You can do it at home in your in your privacy of your home, and basically, you it's 
you're essentially hyperventilating, but not in a uh, dangerous way. You're taking deep breaths into your belly, into your chest, and exhale. There are a few different ways to do it, but that's the general one. The, you take deep breaths into the belly, into the chest, exhale. And it's very important to do this guided with very with proper music that will support you into getting into your subconscious and it will unlock those beliefs and those areas where that energy got stuck in your body because it's part of the somatic healing, right? You're, when when something isn't resolved, when trauma isn't resolved, it gets locked in your body. And so it's very important to do this work of uncovering where those energy traps are and what are the subconscious beliefs attached to them and then reframing them because when, when you when you can see it as now an adult and you get to see okay i was 14 years old and i was in my bedroom and my mom came in and she reprimanded me for getting b pluses instead of a's she says you, you should be getting a's you're in and, and in that moment i crumbled i thought oh she's Again, showing me how I'm not capable and no matter what I do is not good enough. But when I got to see that during a journey, I got to see it as an adult and I saw, no, 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 my mom actually believed in me. She knew I was capable of getting straight A's. She just maybe didn't know how to express that so well. And my little self seeking evidence of how I'm not good enough misinterpreted. Right? And I got this reframe of like, no, no, my mom was trying to empower me. And in that moment, it was like the domino effects, all the dominoes that every other time, every other piece of evidence I collected where I'm not somehow not good enough got knocked over. And so it's important to, to do a little digging into your past and into your childhood, into where these initial thoughts, these initially initial beliefs got imprinted. And that way you can reframe and choose a new belief. And, and what is it that I want to believe? What is my new story that I am capable of anything that I put my mind to, that I get what I want if I really desire it. And, and I show up with my highest self and I stay committed and I don't allow self-doubt to come in and, and stop me. Right? So we can create these new stories that serve us. And then we'll gain evidence that those new stories are true. I'll pause there. <laughs> did that answer your question? It it did, and and I I actually I, I was just enjoying just just bringing that to life in in my head. Like I was I was visualizing that as you were saying it because I think it it resonates with so many people. Um, I don't think a lot of people or enough people have done that reframing part that you talked about. Have looked back and and um. I don't want to say forgiven their their parents or somebody in the past because that implies like somebody did something wrong, but almost kind of was was empathetic to the to the person um, that that has been in their life because um, you know I, me being a parent right now I I think about I probably overthink about what I'm saying to my daughters how I'm saying it if I'm being you know nice or if I'm showing empathy or if I'm showing them that I believe in them or is it coming off as me just being a strict overbearing dad like which which one is it like and and I, I I totally understand a lot of it is not what I say but how I say it and when I say it and um and again this is why I love doing these shows because um it's we could sit here and talk about the ins and outs of diabetes but I that's I want people to get more from this. Um, a lot of people listening are parents. They're, they're, they're caretakers. They're people who are trying to raise the next generation of successful people in this world. And 
um, I think just that self-awareness portion is, is so big. But as you're going through this, so as you're, and this is a perpetual journey, I could tell, like, I, I don't have to ask that question. I, I can, I can, by talking to you, I can see this is a perpetual journey for you. Like, how do you continue to, to integrate that mind body connection? Because, um, for people who can't see Dr. Nikki, she's in you know, great shape. She looks great. I mean, everything is, you know, physically it looks that you stay in great shape. You've talked a lot about how you've worked on your mindset, your spirituality, your purpose when it comes to your life with, with diabetes. But how do you make sure you, you maintain that connection? Because it's so easy for someone to work on one. Today, I'm going to do my breath work. Today, I'm going to make sure I, I, I journal. Today, I'm going to just be thankful for what I have. But other days, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to make sure I eat right. It's like there's so many times we will do one or the other, but fail to kind of combine the both. of them. One, why are they so important? Two, how do you maintain that connection? Yeah, I love that. I, I just want to, if I may, add one bit of... Wisdom, if I may call it that. Sure, yes. That I, I realize uh, forgiveness, first of all, uh, Lisa, um, she's up with Tony Robbins a lot. Uh, Lisa, I forgot her last name, but um, she says forgiveness is being able to say thank you for that experience. Oh, I like that. True for, forgiveness is when you can say thank you for that experience because it actually made you stronger. And that's one thing I say to parents all the time is, my mother's flaws are my greater strengths. I'll say that again. Sometimes your parents' flaws become your greatest strengths. So even if as a parent, you might be making some mistake or, or showing up in a way that you in your later years will look back and like, oh, I could have done that better. You actually were serving your child exactly how they needed to be served so that they can show up in their strongest version. So trust yourself in this moment that you are showing up exactly as your children need. And I'm sure there's someone listening out there that got abused and, and does not have this perspective. And I, that would be a very hard one to adopt that. Thank you for my abuser. When you adopt this perspective, you'll gain the value of it and you'll actually become more empowered by the experience. Try it on. I might be completely wrong. If that doesn't work for you, throw it out. Right? And this is an invitation for you to, to practice with a new tool of actual of radical acceptance and using everything that shows up in your sphere every single day, even the, someone yelling at you as your opportunity to practice. Now I can practice patience and compassion. Who knows what that person's going through, right? I get to practice staying in my center and my grounded peacefulness. I've only learned all these tools because I was in chaos, right? I only learned how to stay grounded and connect and nothing. I'm resilient, because I went through experiences that were not that were not safe 
that, right? That, that, that created unsafety in my world. And I had to find the safety and the peace and the love within. So just know that, that no matter how you're showing up, and I know you're doing an amazing job for sure, because you're heart centered and that's all that really matters is if your intentions are good and your intentions are to serve your child and to support them in, in elevating into their highest selves, then you are doing a remarkable job. That is, that is the key. Okay. Back to your original question. <laughs> How do I stay connected? So I appreciate me, that. That was great. That was great. Okay. Good. My pleasure. Uh, for me, essentials every single day are exercise and meditation and, and tuning in. So I start my morning every single day. I, I make my tea. It's my ritual. I come back, I sit on my, on my, my, my meditation cushion and I take a few really deep breaths. I connect to my body, feel any sensations. And then I start floating through with what my intention is for the day. How do I want to show up today? Who do I want to serve? I love tuning in and getting support from my angels. That's my favorite thing to do. I just tune in and say, angels, who can I serve today? And who could serve me today? That's a newer one that I've added in. Where sometimes we got to work on receiving, right? Who can I serve today and who can, who can, I, who can serve me? And I, guarantee, I tell you every single day, I will get a text message. If not, if someone doesn't pop right into my head right away, I'll, I'll hear a name. By the end of the day, someone has shown up in my life or sent me a text message that I, either is serving me in this massive way or I get to serve them. So setting my intention of being in service is my key. And then I go through all the things that I get to be grateful for. And especially for the things that I feel like are lacking in my life. So if I'm in a space of financial scarcity or I'm you know, still single or, you know, right, I get to really focus on how there is an abundance in that area. Seek the abundance in that area already and be grateful for it. And I am so supported and loved by so many people. And I have everything I desire. I, I have shoes on my feet. I've got food on my plate. I am luckier than 7 billion people on this planet. Right? So how can we bring gratitude every single morning? That is essential. And, and literally that can take me three minutes if I wanted. And I'm delighted. If I wake up this morning, I woke up at 4 a.m. I'm like, me, I get an hour. <laughs> that means I get extra time to just sit in the presence of gratitude and appreciation and, and tuning in and being in connection with spirit and just breathing and just being with myself that those moments in the morning do, before you turn your phone off uh, on, excuse me, they're key. They're the most precious moments and we give them away. As soon as you turn that phone on, you're allowing the whole world in to access you. The whole world can give you and share with you their problems and they become your problems. Please honor those moments in the morning. It's the most potent, yummy, juicy part of the day for me. And so don't give those away. <laughs> That's one. And it sets the tone. It calms my nervous system. I can handle everything that happens through, to me throughout the day with way more grace. And then exercise is on my plate every single day. I am I, I love classes at the gym. I'm in and out in 45 minutes. They kick my tush and I'm done. It's great. And on the days that I don't feel like going to the gym, I go for a really long walk in nature and then I'm rejuvenated that way. Right? But exercises in my, in my every single day, there isn't a day that I don't exercise. It's just, that's part of my day. And when it's like that, when you have that commitment and that's the other thing, if you make the commitment to yourself, right? Because it, the, the, the key there is, is first 
writing out how you want to show up your goal. First of all, what are your goals? What do you want your life to look like financially, physically, mentally, spiritually, health wise? Like, how do you want your life to be and feel like? How do you want to feel in your feel in your life in your dream life? And then, who would you need to be to achieve that? How would you need to think? How would you need to act? What, how committed would you need to be to showing up to the gym every day? How, what kind of person would create that dream life? And then the absolute key then is to then put it on your calendar. And I go through on Sunday. I pick out all the gym classes I want to do for the week, and they go on my calendar. And it's 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 done. It's a it's a, it's on my calendar. It's a no brainer. I don't have to decide day of whether or not I feel like it. No, it's already, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. And so you take that choice off the plate. It's, or the choice has already been made and it actually makes things easier. It's a, it's done. It's it's something you don't have to think about. It's a, it's a non-negotiable. That's the word I was looking for. Um, And that's the way I operate. And it really works unless I am, exhausted and my whole body is like please go to bed then i honor my body right that's a different story but if i'm just like me i don't i don't feel like it (laughs) no 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 no. because uh, that that doesn't get me to my dream life and a, a question i always love asking people in your position because i think the more diverse answers I get on this. I think the more options we give people, but Dr. Nikki, somebody comes to you and says, I, 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 I understand what you just said. I love it. I love what you just, I appreciate what you just said, but I, I just don't have the time. I, um, you know, I got the twins and I got the job and I, I just started this and, you know, we have soccer tryouts for next week and, and then I have the, this and that. And, and I would love to, but I, I, I can't find the time. How do you respond to that person? Well, like I said, it's three minutes. So if you don't take care of yourself for three minutes, if you can't find three minutes to take care of yourself, your mental state and your nervous system, I promise you, your day is going to feel a lot more hectic and, and you're not serving anybody when you are in a frazzled, unloved state. Because you're not loving yourself. If you don't love yourself first, it's a lot harder to really genuinely show up for someone else. It really is. And they're going to feel it. And then they're going to need you even more. And it's just a downward spiral. It's because they're not getting all of you. They're getting this frazzled version of a you that isn't whole. It isn't happy. It, you're not in your... I, I can't imagine. I know. The days I miss my meditation... I can feel it. There's this little like antsiness, right? And then I'm, I'm much easier to be triggered. I'm, I'm much more just, I don't handle my day well. It's subtle, but if I miss like five days in a row, it's not subtle. It's obvious. I'm irritated. And you know what I love about that answer is because a lot of people in that in, in that space feel that they're serving everyone else like they feel they're serving but but you put it in a way that no you're you're not serving anyone like if you don't take the time to take care of yourself to recharge your own batteries to refill your own cup 
like the people you're not serving anyone and especially you're not serving yourself. And I think, and I love that answer. And I think a lot of people can, it can resonate with a lot of people. So if people want to learn more about you, people want to just learn about your journey, get more information from you. How do they find more about you online? Yeah, thank you. So on TikTok, I'm at Dr. Nikki underscore diabetes. There I post a lot about diabetes. On Instagram, it's uh, Dr. Nikki Siso. And there I do more like insights. As I'm learning and growing and sharing, I, I share kind of inspirational things there. And my website is wakeupwithnikki.com. And on there, you can actually find a really fun series on confidence. You can connect with me directly with any questions you have. Uh, and my podcast is my little thing, uh, Legends. Legends with Dr. Nikki. I'm on Spotify and iTunes and all the places. I interview amazing humans on how they elevated themselves to operate at their highest self. And so there's a wide variety of people there, all sorts of different fun topics that I'm, I'm really focused on how do we step into our highest version so that we can serve. And I love that. And if you still have time in the car on your walk, head over to Legends. Is it Legends with Nikki? Is that the name of it? It's it, Legends with Dr. Nikki. Yeah, you'll find it. Legends with Dr. Of course, Dr. Nikki. I apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> Legends with Dr. Nikki. Head over there. As always, you'll find links to all of those things in the show notes. Um, Dr. Nikki, this has been amazing. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I look forward to subscribing and listening to your show also. Um, I will probably follow you on TikTok, even though I'm still learning. I, I tell people all the time, like, I should be on there, like, doing more stuff. But it's just, uh, it's TikTok. And... I just don't know much about it yet, but I will get there. I promise. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. I appreciate everything you're doing. You take care of yourself and we'll talk soon. Thank you as always for listening to the 6am run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.